Welcome to What's Up with Betsy Johnson, a podcast from a longtime Oregon legislator and keen political observer discussing what is right and wrong with government, politics, and public policy. Well, here we are at the end of the year, and uh, Oregon's legislature is going to be meeting again coming up in 2024. And uh, Betsy, before we go too far into what the legislature is going to do, let's talk about what the special session is that they have in the even-numbered year. So odd-numbered years, it's six months long. Even-numbered years, it's supposed to be six weeks. That's correct. Uh, the voters put this in place. It was, I think, erroneously sold. Um, I didn't like the idea. Eventually came around because we are inexorably tied to the federal government at both the policy and the pocketbook. And um, it made sense to me in the final analysis to come in for those short days uh, in these 35 days in in February and slops into March a little bit uh, to just track agency performance against uh, voted on budgets to see what crises are looming uh, to pay uh, bills that are due to make adjustments in programs as necessary. It was to have been a period of legislative reflection on how are we doing, where are we, and then to tee up the ideas for the next long session. And our next long session, of course, will be in 2025, starting uh, right after the turn of the year. But it has metamorphosized into something that I think is completely fraudulent, and that is that every disappointed person coming or group coming out of the long session now feels as though they're entitled to get a second bite at the apple. And my argument is what you can't do in six months, you're not going to do in six weeks. There's almost no time to go from one chamber to the other chamber. So there are highly truncated uh, uh, committee uh, hearings on bills and very little time for amendment. And it has fallen to leadership, particularly now in the absence of President Courtney, who at least exercised a little discipline. But now it's just a free for all to say, uh, you're gonna get a second bite at the apple for your shitty idea from the long session. Now you get to try it again in the short session. And then, oh, by the way, they introduce a plethora of other very significant policy bills that should not be debated and acted on in 35 days. There are some legislators that do tee up concepts for the next long session, but those are getting further and farther between. And the problem is, if you look back over the legislative record, including some of the years that I was there, things got rammed through so fast that they end up having manifold unintended consequences. And as a result, uh, the legislature has to go back in and fix things. And once a bill is open to fix it, then they want to screw with it more. And so the short sessions to me are just a disaster waiting to happen. Now, the one thing that could come up in the short session, I think should come up in the short session because it is really deemed an emergency. And that is uh, the the ravages of ballot measure 110. You and I both had the opportunity to be in downtown Portland over the Thanksgiving holidays. Even the most casual observers, downtown is just a mess. It's a mess because we have such a high bar for hospitalizing mentally ill Portlanders without their consent, which leaves so many in the greatest need on the streets. Uh, we have this episodic funding of our social service agencies with no real 
measurable outcomes. It, it, it just seems as though we're tolerating and normalizing a degree of bad behavior downtown that is just breathtaking. Uh, Multnomah County and the city seem completely immobilized to do anything about this. Uh, they've got these encampments that yield garbage and drug dealing. And as fast as they get moved, they come right back. I assisted a community in trying to remove a very violent guy who pitched a tent in a in a more affluent neighborhood. And I knew some people that lived there and they said, can you do anything? And so I called in some favors of friends of mine and we got this guy moved. And I'll be damned if he doesn't come right back. And nothing seems to happen. And, and what's so weird about it, Michael, and you know this about Oregonians, I think, and that is in our hearts, we are compassionate and tolerant people. But it has gone to a point of just grotesque enabling. This guy that I was just talking about who has a tent provided by the city uh, and or by the county and tarps has to be removed by the city. Uh, so there's no coordination or alignment there. And during the summertime, he was using these people's uh, yards with their sprinklers or hoses as a, a place to bathe, dumping his garbage in their receptacles. And some of these people respond by either calling somebody they know in government or they respond by leaving out bags of food or um, you know, clothes or things that they think this whack job needs. He's a convicted, multi-convicted felon, obviously mentally ill, has come after the police and some people up in this neighborhood with a, uh, a pipe if he's provoked. And the number of people that are being housed is and moved out of the streets and out of the sidewalks now that there's an ADA case is a de minimis number um, compared to the need. So in, in my opinion, I continue to watch Portland just disintegrate. And much of the disintegration I would lay at the feet of our lackadaisical uh, attitude about drugs that is manifest in the voters having passed ballot measure 110 that functionally legalized drugs in Oregon. And now it's routine to see drug busts down in the southern part of the state, 50 pounds of methamphetamine, and it gets distributed directly into the open air drug market that is Portland. And let me just conclude by saying the legislature could, in their special session in February, under the real purpose of the short session, which was to deal with true emergencies, they could provide some relief to Oregonians by making ballot measure 110 corrections, including recriminalizing some aspects of drug use and possession in order to give an incentive for people to uh, seek treatment. Right now, if somebody in Oregon gets busted for drugs, they issue them a citation. Whoever the, the guy is with the drugs just wads up the citation and says, the hell with you. There are virtually no people that have called and sought treatment. And the whole thing is, is just a pathetic reflection on politics with unintended consequences in the name of trying to get treatment
we now have accelerated the, the, the problem exponentially and the decay in the city of Portland is just stunning and the concomitant expense. Any thought to going somewhere that's doing well on homelessness? Is there such a place? And why don't we send some people there to get some new ideas? Because clearly what's going on isn't working. Well, and what was such a travesty about that trip to Portugal was that um, the the pro-drug guys are the ones that paid for the trip. So these are the people that promoted ballot measure 110. It's called the Drug Policy Alliance. They paid legislators to go. Only one legislator, uh, Representative Morgan from down in Southern Oregon, went and had anything critical to say about drug use. And they ostracized her, basically. She's leaving the legislature and is going to go be a city manager. But reports were that she was functionally ostracized from the rest of the gung-ho druggies that wanted to just go to Portugal and suck wine and eat tapas and and talk about stuff. The correlation between Portugal and Oregon is almost non-existent. And Portugal is having some second thoughts about their whole drug legalization program. But the most striking difference between Portugal and Oregon is that fentanyl is not present in Portugal. Uh, The strongest drug that they're dealing with there apparently is heroin. And they have not had this tsunami of lethal fentanyl that has accelerated mental illness. You have co-occurring conditions of mental illness accelerated by fentanyl or fentanyl use accelerated by mental illness. And you've got some really dangerous, floridly psychotic people walking around downtown Portland doing an enormous amount of damage. Yesterday, I was up in Astoria and I was watching a guy try to pitch a tent in arguably a little bit of wind, but the guy was clearly screwed up. And I was taking a phone call and talking on the phone and watching him try to pitch this tent. I probably talked on the phone for 20 minutes and he never could get the tent under control. And um, that's in downtown Astoria. My point being that what's happening in Portland is now metastasizing to other places. And unless the legislature finds a spine and does something about it, it's just going to get worse. And nobody should be mistaken. The blame rests solely with the legislature. And the fact that most of them have the spine of a gummy bear and won't step up, they bitch about it behind closed doors and, you know, over a glass of wine in some place. Oh, isn't this terrible? Tut, tut, tut. Well, then do something about it. Don't these legislators get phone calls and letters and emails and tweets and all that sort of stuff and texts from their constituents saying this is unacceptable and do something and they're just ignoring it? I presume they do because during my two decades in the legislature, the the constituents were anything but quiet about what was going on. I mean, on some issues, I received literally thousands of emails. The question is, what's leadership going to do? Because leadership often tells the the sheep down there what they're going to do. And until the governor steps forward, she's loath to even say ballot measure 110. And if I can ask our listeners to drop back in time to the gubernatorial race when Drazen, Johnson, and Kotek all appeared on TV one in, in our quote-unquote debates, one of the questions always was, what are you going to do about ballot measure 110? Johnson and Drazen both said, repeal it. Uh, Kotex said, give it more time. It just needs more time to work. Well, I want to know how many dead bodies is more time.
I want to know how many stores leaving Oregon is more time. I want to know how many more um, burglaries and 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 bad behavior equals more time. Just this morning in the community that I live in is noticed that a, a long established um, you know one of these big super pharmacies called Rite Aid is closing its doors. I don't know how much of that here in this little community is related to bad economy, inflation, retail theft. I don't know all the the causation, but I can drive around in downtown Portland and see the boarded up storefronts that are all painted over with graffiti, the garbage all along the freeways, the graffiti now that is covering up some of the big signs that are suspended above the freeway to tell people where to turn or how to maneuver through downtown Portland to their next destination are all painted over. Um, There are parts of Portland that I would no more get out of my car than fly to the moon. Uh, And and the the pictures of it are just stunning. Folks don't want to be downtown. A conventionaire recently was shot. And the ripple that that sends through the convention world about, you know, come to Portland, go home in a body bag. He fortunately survived. All of this has a profoundly chilling effect. And the mayor saying that he goes down and has a drink at the new Ritz-Carlton, hooray, hooray, and how much the presence of that building is going to rebuild the the west end of of the city of Portland. I personally think that's hogwash. Um, The presence of one hotel that it has, has had some financial challenges as it was being built during the pandemic is not going to go anywhere towards revitalizing Portland if Portland continues to be seen as an unsafe, unsanitary city. Uh, The county trotting out all of these great responses about how well they've done. I mean, the county pledged to to create, I don't know how many households, 500 and uh, close to 600. And I think so far, maybe they've done 80. And uh, the head guy of the Office of Homeless Services says, well, you know, we might or might not meet our goal. Let's see, we promised to do almost 600 and we've done 80. I'd say the odds of them making that are not so good. But um, I, I, I'm just discouraged. And listening to the mayor on the television the other night bleeding about getting people back downtown, he needs to order his staff to come back downtown. Everybody's working remotely. You cannot find government people anywhere by telephone. People are not in offices. They don't answer their phones. I've been trying to get the VA on the telephone to help a veteran that has been lied to so repeatedly by the VA. This is a Vietnam combat veteran who ended up with nasal cancer and has had functionally his face removed uh, through surgery. And the VA promised him uh, cosmetic and prosthetic surgery to make him um, as whole as one can be given the gravity of the surgery he's had. I couldn't get anybody. I made phone call after phone call after phone call. Finally, I, I got a hold of a number in Washington, D.C. that was attached to, to taking care of Congress people. And I got their attention and they called me back. And we finally now have an appointment for this guy. But getting people to, to actually be at their desks, do their jobs and service Oregonians, that's, that's pretty tough going in this state. Thanks for listening to What's Up with Betsy Johnson. If you have comments or questions about this podcast, please email questions, Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-S, at BetsyJohnson.com.